0: all righty welcome back episode 35 stooges of basketball podcast three stooges of basketball podcast it's late um i'm calling this episode stooges after dark um because we are currently recording this at 10.04 p.m central standard time um which means the mason's an hour ahead at 11.04 um eastern yeah. time so you know this is this is when you get the true uh the true content um so we have a lot to talk about because we haven't been on here for a while um we forgot to talk about fantasy last week so there's there's that to catch up a little bit on and um eric's finally you know gotten to go to high school games this year considering minnesota you know wants to start as late as humanly possible um so i mean i figure i might as well let him go because uh you know i'm sure he's got a whole lot to say so what do you got for us today Eric? are we starting with high school or gophers whatever you want to talk about buddy i don't don't let me be the one to get in your way
1: Here's what I'm going to say. I think the state of Minnesota, I'm going to make a lot of bold statements in this claim. I'm going to make a lot of bold statements. So here's what I'm going to say. The state of Minnesota is in for a very good high school season. After seeing all the games I saw, I'll be very honest in saying I'm very confident in the four teams that I picked to win the championship as of right now. I haven't seen anything to make me question any of the four. And that includes Somewhat of, somewhat of an injury update, but I've seen nothing of the four teams that I picked to win that it makes me think they're not going to win. Um, I will start with Minnetonka. Um, I want to give a shout out to them. Their defense was excellent in both the games we saw and their defense was played by all five on the court, which has not always been the case. Um, seeing them absolutely just thrive. They're good on defense. They're hounding. They they do all they need to do. Um and you have their star players playing like star players, being willing passers, willing to defend, all of it, A+, plus, A+, plus, A+. plus. Um, but don't say, Margaret, we can just kind of rip the Band-Aid off here. They looked excellent in the first few minutes of their game. It it, it hits you a little harder when, and I said, that one of the probably the best games we would have saw all weekend long would have been Benilde and Providence. It takes a little luster off it when Olivia goes out, but that doesn't take away from the fact of the team that won, how good they played. We'll get to them in a second. Don't you worry. Um, what I will say is even seeing Benilde without Kendall, and without Olivia for the second half, they show that they have some very good depth on that team. Zahara Bishop, I mean, even in their, second, in their game, what are we, Thursday? Tuesday, she had 33 points she's going to be just fine. You have Kate Kapsner, you have the experience of winning the state title. You have Presley walk there now, but Nil's going to be fine. And especially if she's expected to be back for all of fe- like by February, you know, get a few, maybe five to eight regular season games under Olivia's belt. If she heals up, then she's there for sections. Then she's there for state. If you make it in uh, high school, unfortunately or fortunately is not like, NCAA, you just have to win at the right time. You can be oh, you could be one and nineteen when she comes back. You just need to win at the right time. So I'm not concerned because they looked, they looked really competitive for five, six minutes in the second half against Providence. Um, I haven't seen a good Hugh yet. I'm excited to see them this weekend with Brady. We'll take those games in. Um, but I've seen who the other top team is in one A. So. I'll be flat out honest. I would double down on Goodhue. I would double. I would triple down on Goodhue. They are fantastic. They're going to, there's no one else in 1A that's going to come at them. Not even a little bit. Not even close. Not, no. Mm-hmm. No. Now let's get to it. Here's bold statement number one People get offended if you need to. Write your mama. I don't care. Providence Academy is the best team in the state of Minnesota, barring any class. They right now are the best team in the state of Minnesota. People can get mad. I don't care. They are by far the most complete team. You have the most complete star. You have the most complete pieces around them. You have a solid defense. You have depth. You have players that all know their roles. You have players that are expanding their some of their roles this year. Providence Academy is the best team in the state. Sorry, if you're mad about it, uh, DM me. I'll block it. So that's my thought on that. And then let's start about bold statement number two. Providence has the best player in the state right now. Madden Greenway, the microwave, the magician, the magnificent, the Madden Greenway is the best player in the state right now. On both ends of the floor, she's effective. Her her decision-making is at an all-time high she, at least in this opening weekend, she was by far the most consistent, productive player that we saw this weekend. I don't want to hear that anyone else, because any other argument made for any other player right now, they all have chinks in the armor. They all have holes in the game. They all had games where they weren't the best player, where they weren't consistent and they didn't get shown or their coach pulled them out late. I don't want to hear above. I don't want to have anyone be like, you're biased. No, the work the stats speak for themselves, the wins speak for themselves, the way she wins speaks for herself. Um, you know, going against Ava Zedeker, who Mason's very familiar with. We already, you know, just talked about her. She's a very, you know, that's a power or not power five, sorry, D1 Creighton commit, who's an excellent defender. Madden went right at her and did just fine. In fact, got the game-winning steal on her to win the win the game. So to me, I mean, once again, she showed up against. Two of the top teams. The other thing I will say, and this is not a knock, don't get me wrong, the Benil-Providence game would have been an excellent second half. Benil started up 15-4 to to start that game. When Olivia went out, you know, because she left late, or like with five minutes left to go in the first quarter, left the arena, went to the hospital, all that. Providence had already ran off a 32-10 to run to regain the lead by the time she officially went out. Yes, the injury could have happened earlier, but she was still playing. She was still doing some pretty nice moves. I don't want to hear that the only one, because Olivia Olsen was out. That's disrespectful. They were already uh, well on their way to making a comeback after dropping 15-4. to There's, so I said, I've had two bold statements. Maybe I'll just leave it at two bold statements. So there's where I'm going to say that. I'm going to say that. Um, Shout out to a couple other players. Um, There's a 2027 who I'm going to Forgive me, forgive me. I want to say her name right. analea Solana. I hope I said that right. She plays for Roseville, had 10 threes in a game. And in fact, in her two games, her two games over the weekend in the tournament, she had 15 combined makes in two games. That's impressive. And I don't care what grade you are. And she's a 2027 20, first year starting for varsity. Roseville looked really strong. So shout out to her. Shout out Addie Mack, hitting a game winner against D And they're. Pretty big win over what I would assume is the number two or three, arguably team in 3A. So shout out Addy Mac had a nice game winner. Um, and then one more shout out. And this the last name don't is gonna catch no one by surprise, but I would be remiss if I did not give a shout-out to arguably my favorite defender I saw all weekend. Beckett Greenway was the highlight of the weekend. I've come, I don't know if Mason can confirm or not. I'm assuming the Dowling Catholic specialty is a guard who just pushes off or shoves because Ava Zedeker did plenty. The fact that 2029, seventh grader, five two five three on a good day, a buck 50 soaking wet. If that, maybe probably less. I mean, she's just, uh, but the fact that she's defending her first varsity game, she's defending Ava Zedeker, once again, D1 going to Creighton and drew a huge charge late in that game on her. I was almost on the court. I was so proud of that kid. And all weekend, her defensive intensity was was amazing. It was so fun to watch that kid play defense. Shout out Beckett. Uh, by far one of my favorite moments.
2: What's her nickname? I love Bueno What now? What's her nickname?
1: I'm trying to come up with one and I haven't been good yet So we have, with an older sister has three So we'll workshop it Because like defensive Dynamo I usually had for Emma last year But Emma's like a full, like complete all Excellent player who's like excellent on both sides So I have to come up with something Like, I mean I told Brady what I say I had like Beck Beck said, what the heck, heck I'm just going to shut down Ava Zetiker
2: Yeah, that's that's probably a yeah. bit of a mouthful So yeah, I'm saying I got to like- workshop it
0: well, I, I feel like having Ava Zedeker in there means that that's, you know, not as versatile as you may think it is.
1: Hey, she fearless in her second game with guarding Olivia Olsen, the Harbish. I mean, and she's giving up side, but the effort, I mean, once again, it was when she drew that charge, I was almost on the court to celebrate. I was that proud of her.
0: I, I love the fact that Eric walks around on this podcast and, and talks and as if he has no actual bias toward Providence Academy. I think that's the most adorable thing of this podcast. <laughs> like I, I do think that, the, that.
2: And also the fact that um, a Providence player told Eric that they like him because he's not biased. I'm not. which,
1: Honest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think I've ever heard more of like an actual lie in my entire life than Eric not being biased. I I think that that is truly incredible stuff right there. Like right. I I genuinely don't think that I that I know anyone who's more biased than Eric.
1: I call them like but, I see them about Dude, certain things about certain
0: yeah, about, things. Yeah, anything. provincing. I don't think any of the Province Academy kids could do wrong in, in Eric's eyes. If we're being honest.
2: No, I don't think so either. They
0: haven't done wrong yet. They're two
1: and zero, and they had pretty two pretty impressive wins.
0: Yeah, I don't even think I don't I don't think that you could ever like actually you could ever actually say they do wrong. I I, I just don't think it's possible. But yeah, I mean, is like I I also love the fact that you just assume that Ava Zeta girl all she does is push off. Like I, I think that. Oh no, I
1: thought live. She. It must be the Dowling Catholic special because it's a arm bar for days.
0: Uh, well, I mean, I I think that might be a little bit tainted by the fact that she was playing Providence Academy. And oh no, because she tried it wrong, on
1: she tried it on Hopkins. That those are different. Th- I mean, pushing Irma Walker Is a little different than pushing Beckett Greenway.
0: I just I just don't really know. Uh, I, I just think that you're maybe being a little unfair to Ava Zediger. I think you uh might be blinded by the Providence Academy lights
1: with, with that one if we're being honest. I was very impressed with her until she threw the game losing pick.
0: Well, well, it happens sometimes. It happens.
1: But, and Ellie yeah. Muller, outstanding. Fantastic. Yeah, shot blocker. Finish that that's a post right there that I mean that was probably the best, most consistent post seen all weekend. She was fantastic. I mean, shot block. They ran that pick and roll and that drop down pass to her perfection. I mean, they could write a highlight video of that play. It was beautiful for Ellie Muller.
0: Yeah, I mean, she's uh pretty good at the basketball, which is why she has, you know, I believe Minnesota. I think Minnesota has offered her, and Iowa State Correct. has offered her we too. Have. So we
1: listen. We you can <laughs> you confirmed with the coach that you talked to. I'm basically part. I'm basically like a recruiter, like unpaid. Recruiter. That
0: is not what they said. That is not what they said. <laughs> that is that is definitely not what they said. But okay. Um. Anyway. Um. Yeah, I guess for me, um, going over to uh. Wisconsin, Um, you know, we had a um, a pretty big event this weekend at at Kettle Moraine where, you know, a lot of teams come and, you know, they'll they'll play some high profile games. And, uh, you know, the one I wanted to talk about uh, first was Pewaukee Hortonville. Um, I mean, like you got to note that uh, Hortonville was down to a little bit just because uh, Kelly Pepler is still not 100 percent back from her injury yet. She warmed up with uh, with the team, but she won't be back probably until sometime in December um so they'll be down to it a little bit till then um but but even with that um I think that Michaela Werner had a really really good game for them St. Thomas commit um she had 20 and 10 I believe in that game against Pewaukee and you know a lot of the others quote unquote um kids who didn't really have a large role last year they stepped up and played really really well like Leah Hartley was one of them that I thought played really really well um Paige Lilly Butler softball commit played pretty well for them um, but at, at a certain point when you play a team like Pewaukee, I mean, there's not much you can do when, when Amy Tarion is just basically making every single shot she takes. Um, yeah, she finished with 36 in, in that one and looked like the best kid on the floor. Um, bar none, uh, there wasn't anything that, uh, Hortonville could really do to slow her down. Even if they, even if they pretty much threw the kitchen sink at her, she probably would have still made it. She had a bad hamstring and she still had 36. Um, but yeah, so that one was, uh, was definitely one to note, um, then, you know, the other really, really big one um was probably the uh, Nina and, and Homestead game. So uh Nina obviously has UConn commit Isabel Um they have a couple of smaller guards and Rowan Klesman and Ellie Bus who are also solid in their own right. Um and Homestead's been a team for the last two years. You've been really trying to get like a signature non-conference when they just haven't been able to get it. Um and they had a pretty good opportunity against Nina. They were down early, um, came back, tied it at 44. And then after that, it was pretty much just Ali bell just taking over. Um She finished that game with 39 points. And I genuinely don't think she really tried (laughs) like it didn't. Well, she obviously tried, but it didn't really look like she was trying. I don't think she broke a sweat and uh yeah pretty much whenever the, whenever they needed a bucket ally would either just go down and get fouled make two free throws or make a layup or you know sometimes kids would randomly help off of her in transition and she would just rip a three um but yeah you know outside of that um i thought homestead did a lot of really solid things i thought uh madison fitzgibbons improved a lot as a passer um she had a couple backdoor passes that i don't think she would have been hitting as a freshman um caitlin odom a lot of the same things she's always done play super hard super aggressive defensively um gray sortman another kid who's gotten a lot better over the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, I thought she was, she was solid. And, you know, just in general for Nina um, having, you know, those two guards and Ellie bus and uh, Rowan Klezman in the backcourt that, you know, can take a little bit of the load off for, for Allie. Um, so she's not having to be, you know, the super high usage kid, um, you know, for, you know, what would it be? 26 games a year and, you know, kind of running out of gas a little bit. And sometimes at uh you know, really inopportune times again, seems like Appleton East two years ago with La Chapelle, Hansford, Bayer, uh, Josie Neubauer, um, Logan Lowry, like that team was just loaded with a lot of upperclassmen kids, upperclass kids. Then you had, uh, last year where he just went crazy and they kind of dug themselves a hole against them and they couldn't really dig out of it. And now they already had a lingering injury, um, going into that one. So, um, yeah, having those two kids that can handle the ball and create off the dribble is going to be so crucial for them. Um, then, uh, you know, another really big game, um, on Saturday was, uh, Laconia uh, TPS or the Prairie School or Racine Prairie, whatever, whatever you would like to call it. Um, those are probably the two best teams in uh, D4 and Laconia pretty much uh, flexed their muscles in that one. And, you know, they kind of, you know, made another statement just, you know, saying how good they are and uh, end up winning that one by about 20. Um, Tierney Madigan, Finley Morgan, Peyton Morgan, Eva or Ava Engel, I should say all had really, really good games for them. Um, then one game that I was really curious um, about just because, uh, you know, the day before Hudson plays Germantown, who is super aggressive pressing team and, you know, forced 45 turnovers on Hudson, which obviously is a, a significant amount of turnovers. Um, they come back the next day and play Hartford. And, uh, you know, if anyone knows McKenna Christian, um, that's, where she, that's where she plays. It's a super young team. McKenna's a junior, and she's the only upperclassman that plays in their rotation. So a lot of growing pains for them um, still still to go. But um, I thought Hudson was fantastic in that game. Ella Carstensen, uh, senior up at Hudson, did a really good job of uh, doing a little bit of everything, rebounding, guarding McKenna um, on the post, um, knocked down a couple shots. Um, and then, you know, going back to, uh, you know, a couple couple kids with some Minnesota flair to them. Granted, Hudson is essentially just Minnesota anyway. Um, but uh, you know, two kids that have played on Minnesota Fury's 2027 team, uh, Devin Larson and uh Olivia LeBlanc. Um, two like they both played on uh that 2027 Fury team that won the uh 14U Minnesota State AAU tournament last summer. Um, they were fantastic in that game against Hartford, uh LeBlanc, especially. Um, she was probably the most influential player in that game. I never knew that she was you know, as talented of a wing as she was, I knew she can, you know, play in the pain and, you know, kind of finish around um, some bigs there, maybe finish through some contact, but she did a lot of stuff handling the ball That I was super impressed by. Um, and then, you know, just another game that I saw um, after that, only one that I saw um, was Germantown in Wisconsin Lutheran, which turned into an absolute shootout and, um, I believe the final score was 95 to 84, which ended up being the highest scoring game in Wisconsin so far this year. Um, and, uh, you know, just honestly, there's so many kids I could shout out on that game just because of how well, um, you know, they scored the ball. But, you know, I just want to specifically shout out Lucy Leininger, um, Minnesota Mankato commit. So, you know, you're from the Mankato area. Uh, you like the Mavericks. You're probably going to be seeing a lot of Lucy Leininger over the next four years. Um, she was fantastic. Um, finished with 22 points. Um, Grabbed countless rebounds, blocked some shots, got a lot of steals, um, but her, uh, just her development from when she was a, you know, sophomore starting on varsity for the first time compared to where she is now is absolutely night and day, um, you no, know, I talked to her after the game and, you know, I told her, like, I didn't even know if, you know, if she could make like half of her free throws <laughs> when she was a sophomore. And, uh, you know, now she's, you know, a kid who's knocking down multiple threes a game. She's making more than 70% of her free throws. Um, just in general, looks like a kid who can really, really shoot the ball, which I don't think I would have thought would have been, you know, on the cards for her two years ago. So it's just really cool to get to see her development. Super, you know, just super proud of her um, just because, you know, she, she's put a lot of work in and it's definitely, you know, paying off in her senior year, and she's going to be you know playing scholarship basketball um at mankato so it's just you know really really cool um for me to kind of see that can develop from where she was two years ago to where she is now so um that's that's about what my what my last couple last couple uh you know days of basketball watching have have looked like but um, I know Mason's still going through some of the some of the fantasy stuff, so i I Eric, do you want to talk about your your gophers for a little bit here before?
2: I sure well'll uh, I'll, I'll, I'll add real quick though on my uh on my high school stuff if you want me to
0: yeah you uh, you're more than, you're more than welcome
2: okay'll so stop. um yeah. I went to a bunch of really crappy games last week. I saw five games. I saw one in Indiana and I went over to four in Illinois. I went to three college games, so I didn't really go to that much high school basketball. and there's really nothing to talk about from an interesting perspective. So you can move on to college
0: basketball. Okay. well, I'll let Eric talk about his uh, his beloved gophers real quick.
2: They're amazing.
1: They're six and one. They're only losses to Yukon. Uh, just actually just one of my two hours, I don't know, about an hour and a half. shy of them just beating Norfolk State. Let's go shout-out Gigi, Grace Grahalski. Setting right now so far the highest scoring output by a Big Ten freshman so far this year. So Brady thinks it's pointless. I'm bitter and petty. Um, Big Ten, give her the Big Ten Freshman of the Year award. Unless she goes 0 for 100 against Drake well, on Saturday, well, give well, her the Back award. up, back
0: up, back up. You mean weak.
1: Week, whatever player of the year. We're, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to Big Ten freshman of the year too. I'm going to that one.
0: Yeah, back up. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, um, no, she. It's, uh, just, just so I can add a little bit there. Um, obviously, the way she's been shooting the ball before tonight has not been representative of how good of a shooter that she has proven to be over you know the course of her time at Kettle Moraine, playing for Wisconsin Lakers, and you know playing at you know the state tournament, being the most dominant kid. You know, really not even arguably the last two years um like she is you know a proven shooter and you know the fact that they were like her numbers were you know so down um in her first what like five six games of of uh college basketball is almost kind of uh you know just weird because uh you know just watching that kid for the last two years like I genuinely don't think I've seen her ever shoot below 50% in a game, let alone like, well, whatever she was shooting coming in today, like 33% or something. Um, So yeah, that's going to end up correcting itself at some point. And, you know, hopefully for, for her and uh, you know, Minnesota's sake, um, this is just a regression to the mean for her and kind of getting back to, you know, where she's, you know, probably should be shooting and uh, you know, definitely where she's capable of shooting. So yeah, super, super happy for her to kind of get that moment and kind of, you know, kind of buck the trend of kind of you know having some rough shooting games even though she's defended very well um just her seeing the ball go in is going to do nothing but you know good things for her going forward
1: and i mean in terms of she's i mean she was always taking the right shots i don't think i you know none of her shots were ever like forced none of it was ever like these are not like start passing type situation she just kind of kept on it um she was the guest host on the radio afterward and she was like my teammates had faith in me my coaches had faith in me so i knew to keep shooting and that's my i like that mentality um, we're going to need it. I would say now the Gophers enter kind of, uh, put up or shut up. I'll say type situation. You're six and one, you lost to the one team. You pretty much were expected to you. I still say you pass that test of flying colors playing with UConn for three of the four quarters. Your defense is still excellent. You still have yet to give up more than 62 points in a game. You have the top leading defense in the big 10 conference right now. I'll take it. Um, but now you're playing Brady's going to disagree. I say you have three matchups that you need to show up for. Let's start with Saturday. I don't know to date. Once again, we have not played super strong teams. We played decent, a couple of decent mid-majors in UConn, but UConn also is not a killer three-point shooting team. Drake is going to be the first team that they can literally come at you from five out. They could have five players at any time that can hit threes, they know their system. They're, they're more familiar with their system than the Gophers are, at least offensively. Um, Mara Brown has, has hit a little bit of a rough patch offensively. That's going to have to change come Saturday. If, even if Grace has 26, if we only have 74, we might still lose by 15, 16, because Drake can put up 90, 95 easily, even though, I mean, hopefully the Gopher defense is locked in. So. I'm curious to see how they do with a predominantly perimeter oriented team. Then you have your very first road game of the season going down to Kentucky. Hopefully it's a dog walk. Hopefully it's just easy as can be and like get the bench a lot of minutes on the road. And then you come back for your first big 10 game with Purdue. I don't know what to expect here. I don't know. I said, I'll have maybe a better idea. If Gophers come out and get blown out by Drake, maybe Purdue is going to be a little more nerve wracking. If we are walking, I mean, Purdue's a defensive team. They kind of, it's going to be kind of whoever enforces their will at that home. So your next three are very much so a step up in competition. It's three in a row of two power fives, one of the top mid-majors in the country. I want to see what they do. I want to see them get back to good offense. But I think I told Brady this off the podcast, and I never thought I would say this ever. Minnesota's defense has me sky-high optimistic. (laughs) <laughs> and then I see our offense and I, that comes down a couple notches <laughs> that, that comes down, but Sophie's come on strong lately. Grace looks good. Mal is Mal. Amaya and Mara should never have the ball out of their hands when it comes to bringing the ball up. The, and yes, I'm talking to their bench player. Amaya should play 40 minutes. If the game is not a 20 point blowout, Amaya should never get a, a break. Or if she does, Mara Brown needs to run the one. I don't want our backup point guard ever on the floor and bitter but no thank you so that's updating Gopherland. we're six and one our defense is fantastic but it's going to be put to the ultimate test so far I would even say that our defense is going to be more tested on Saturday than it was against UConn because once again UConn was not a perimeter oriented team they were still looking to pound it in and that's where our defensive strengths are as a team and yes I said we
0: um I Genuinely don't think that Kentucky is going to pose too much of a problem to Minnesota, even if it's, you know, on the road. I mean, Kentucky might not even really be playing at home. They played a couple of their home games, one at Transylvania, which is a D three in Lexington. And then they played at Georgetown college, which is a, uh, any that's like 30 minutes away from, from Lexington. So it's not like they've really been playing a lot of, you know, quote unquote home games, even though they're on like the home team on this corporate. So I have no idea where that game's going on anyway, but they've had a lot of issues playing teams like FGCU um, East Tennessee state almost came in and beat them um, had a really rough time in their holiday um tournament they lost uh, to nc state by a lot colorado by a lot and then cincinnati kind of got them pretty good too um so they've had a real rough go of it recently and you know maddie share has has been hurt but honestly it hasn't really mattered they haven't really been that great when she's been there anyway um so my guess would be that minnesota probably wins that game fairly easily um if they don't i would kind of be surprised um i would be surprised if that game was played within single digits especially with how well Uh, Minnesota has been playing over the uh over the course of the uh the season so far. So I would assume that they are going to be just fine. Um, and have a good time down on uh down in the bourbon capital, the bourbon capital of America. So hopefully, uh, you know, your favorite staff in the country gets to have some fun down there. But I mean, yeah, I mean, if should do you want me to talk about Wisconsin a little bit, Eric? No, would you like me to? (laughs) wow i wonder i i I could never guess but um i'll keep it brief um so they went down to uh It went down to Arkansas. Also, I didn't talk about the Kansas State game last time around, but honestly, Kansas State was just significantly better than Wisconsin. I don't really know what you want me to add to that. Um, But, uh, you know, Arkansas, I didn't get to watch that game, but that was a close, close game down in uh, down in Florida. Lost that one by three. Could have won it. Um, Wish they would have simply for the sole fact that they would have gotten to play Marquette, which, you know, isn't on their schedule, um, which I wish was. Um, just for the sole fact that it'd be just cool to have Marquette and Wisconsin on the schedule. Cause obviously there's no football at Marquette. So obviously a lot of the referees are going to be in like, you know, all these other sports. So it'd be really nice to have them on the schedule for, uh, we'll have each other on the schedule, I should say, but, you know, lost to Arkansas by three, but came back in a nice double digit win over Boston college um, in, in Fort Myers to, to close that thing out. And uh, also just beat Northern Illinois today um, by about 20 um, also um, have made free throws in those last two games. So that was, you know, real positive development for them not shooting like 50 percent from the free throw line um instead shooting like upper 70s low 80s so you know that's always that's always really nice for them to have also shout out uh university of uh, milwaukee um they tied their school record for threes last weekend they hit i believe 17 against central michigan and uh, i'm not gonna lie some of them they were just chucking and just like pure heat check so um yeah really cool for them to uh to get on the uh on the going the right way, I should say, headed into a pretty big game um, in the Horizon League against Green Bay, who have also been, you know, beating the absolute snot out of some teams recently, including some top 25 teams like Washington State, playing well with Maryland as well um, down in their holiday tournament. So, yep, a lot of uh real positive developments around um in Wisconsin. Oh, also Marquette, top 25 team in the country now after their start to the season. So. A lot of a lot of uh, arrows pointing upward, hopefully for for the Division One program for the State of Wisconsin. Uh,
2: yeah. Three months talk about uh, Purdue. Yeah. <laughs> After you said like signs are pointing up, I was like, "Oh, I was going to talk about Purdue," and it's not really what's happened. Uh, but no, actually. Um, no, so so I went to a couple of the Purdue games last week, or I guess just one, because um, they were down in the Bahamas for their um, holiday trip or whatnot. Um, yeah, they um, they struggled a little bit. Uh, they lost to Florida by three, Georgia by eight. So I mean, struggled, you know, to single digit wins against SEC opponents probably isn't the worst thing. Um, but they're just, you know, against Florida, they lost by three. Like, on the surface, that's not bad. But then you look at the, you know, you look at the box score or you watch the game and you realize that they hit two threes in the game. They were 2-22. for Like, you're going to lose every single game you play against anyone if you're 2-22 for 22 from three. Um, they're still having some turnover issues. Uh, it's gotten better. Um, you know, if Purdue would have shot well, Against Georgia, you know they were uh, better than against Florida, but weren't good still. Only making six three pointers, um, and Madison Layden hit four of those. So uh, until they are able to find some consistency on the offensive end, shooting the ball, they're gonna lose. You know a lot of low scoring games because, like Eric mentioned earlier, their defense is very solid. Like, they play very good team defense. Um, You know, they just are in a shooting funk right now and are shooting probably 27% uh, from the perimeter on the year. Uh, They did just play a game on Sunday as well, though. Uh, And they were – I think they hit nine. At one point, they were like eight for 10, or maybe it was nine for 11 even. And so they ended up missing their last seven or eight three point shots. Um but scored ninety-five points, maybe got out of a little bit of a funk offensively. Uh, um only allowed fifty-seven points. So again, you know, playing really solid defense. Um and then just quick hitting on some of the Iowa teams. Um last week, uh Iowa played uh, I think we, we talked about the Drake game where they beat Drake by 23. They went down to, I can't remember where it was, somewhere down, uh, Cancun maybe, uh, and played two pretty easy games against Purdue-Fort Wayne, beat them by 40, and then Florida Gulf Coast by 40, so like, whatever. Uh, And then they played Kansas State in the championship again, uh, who they had just lost to by seven, and they beat them by seven. Uh, And, you know, they've got a pretty easy, I would say, like, next month and a half or so coming up, you know, they've got, I was, they're playing out Iowa state. That's never an easy game, but, uh, obviously Iowa state is not what they normally are. Um, but then they play like Bowling green Wisconsin, Cleveland state, Loyola before getting into the big 10 play with, you know, Minnesota, Michigan state Rutgers, all those games should be wins until they play IU their next game. Um, so you know they're going to be in the top five, obviously, probably all year long, and definitely for the foreseeable future. Um, I am actually really surprised with Northern Iowa. They started off the year with a pretty good win against Green Bay, um, who you know is one of the top team, you know, one of the top
0: two teams in the Horizon this year. Yeah, that Um, that one keeps looking better and better as the weeks go on, honestly.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But then they lose to Iowa. Then they lose at Ball State. They get pounded by Syracuse. And then they lose to Vanderbilt. And then they lose to South Dakota, which, you know, South Dakota is pretty good historically. You know, they're probably still the second-best team in the Summit League this year, but not the South Dakota teams of old. So, you know, Northern Iowa is sitting here at one and five. Um, and don't have an easy schedule coming up either. You know, they play Creighton, then they play South Dakota State, then they play at Iowa State, and they play at Missouri State. So you know, you could really could be looking definitely at a one and eight start um, before getting into conference play. And so, you know, I don't, I still think they're good. I still think they have a real shot at winning the valley. It's just that they've really not gotten off to a good start uh, at all this year. Um, and then this past week, Drake played their little Thanksgiving tournament. Um, they finished 2-1. and one. They beat uh, Louisiana Tech. They beat Maine. And then they lost to Richmond. Uh, but Richmond, they're pretty good. You know, they're a pretty solid low-major eight ten team. Um you know, for Drake, if they're hitting their shots, they're gonna blow you out. And if they're not, they're gonna, you know, probably end up losing. Or so how what they missed on game, Saturday. And they were five of twenty nine from three point land. So
0: um
2: you know, and we saw it too, last year in the Valley Conference tournament, like Drake was shooting the ball from the beat from beyond the arc at like a fifty to fifty five percent clip and they blew everyone out. And in the two wins they had, they shot the ball well. So, um, you know, Drake has flashes of being not good offensively when they're generally a pretty good offensive team. Um, but the real thing that kind of did them in against Richmond was being outscored thirty to seven in the second quarter. You know, you take that you take that quarter out, and Drake wins by. Or even if you, you know, have that an even quarter if it was you know 15 to 15 that quarter Drake still wins the game by 15 points so just one one bad quarter kind of did them in but again I mean in terms of the NCAA tournament committee that's a bad loss but you know Richmond is pretty good so uh, not as terrible of a loss as you know people might think of it to be um, and then just sit on Iowa State real quick obviously you know they're going through some growing pains this year. Um, excuse me. Uh, they played Vanderbilt last week. They lost to them. They played Syracuse, lost to them. Uh, and then they also tonight actually played St. Thomas up in Minnesota, uh, and just kind of kind of rolled over them. You know, had a had a huge relief. You know, they were up by forty at the end of the third quarter. Uh, we're hitting shots, and uh, we're first forcing a lot of turnovers. rebounded the ball really well. St. Thomas just was not shooting the ball great either. Um, you know, there were I think sticks of thirty-nine from three-point land, Jesus. where Iowa State shot near fifty percent. So, you know, you are not going to win. You're not, you know, you know, you are not going to win games when you take forty-three pointers and hit fifteen percent, and the other their team takes 25 and they hit 50%. So that's the that's the college wrap.
1: Okay, so here's the thing end. for Mason. You know Drake better. What do you think happened Saturday? Because we all know I'm biased. I'm obviously going to be skewed.
2: Um, I think Minnesota wins. I think um, I'm, I'm sticking with my prediction. I think Minnesota wins. I think that it's going to be like a six, seven point game.
1: I hope he's
0: right. Oh man, um, do we do we give a, a double fantasy recap because we didn't do that last week? I'm not done with college basketball yet. Oh God, wonderful! What do you got for us, Eric? Yeah, I, I can cool. only assume that this is only good things.
1: We have a third bold statement: Cameron Brink is the national player of the year right now, and it is not oh, even God.
2: close. Cut him off. Put him on mute. <laughs> shout it's
1: out, open. shout out, Cameron Brink! I just want to give my homie, Cam Cam Brink, a shout out. She's been unstoppable. They need a statue.
0: Well, well, I I think that Cal Poly figured out a way.
1: No, because here's my rebuttal to that Cal Poly in Hawaii, she scored single digits in both. But here's the thing was she needed? So she's had games where she didn't dominate, but she didn't need to. She hasn't had a game yet where they've needed her to and she couldn't. That's the difference. And she's doing it on both ends. Get her a statue. You're caping so hard. I love her so much. Like she is the <laughs> best. Like I'm telling you right now, Mama Brink is coming for that National Player of the Year award.
0: I think you're the only person that might be on that train.
1: Wrong, wrong as wrong can be, sister. At Indiana, I bet they have some thoughts on who the National Player of the Year is.
2: Probably Caitlin Clark.
1: Nope. Caitlin won't play defense if her life depended on it. Or Cameron doesn't but show up.
2: Is that why she won the National Player of the Year last year?
1: She can win it last year. That's I'm sure she deserved it last year. This year, Cameron doesn't have a loss. Caitlin has a loss. I,
0: I you yeah, know,
2: hmm?
0: yeah, that's literally what I said. I literally, he told me this the other day, and I'm like, I guarantee you Stanford loses a game this year. Well, I'm sure year. they will, I, but I, I
1: said right now, Cameron Brink is the National Player of the Year. Right now. If the season ends today? She would win it in a land fight as she should. I love I, like she's doing it island. I would love to live things. on I would
0: live I would love to live on the island of isolation that Eric lives on. Because like I she's
2: fiftieth <laughs> in points in women's college basketball and like tied for fifth or something in rebounds, she'd win it in a landslide. Yep. Because eighteen if, and twelve.
1: So here's my thing. Let's look at them. Caitlin's gonna average more for what guards should. Steals and assist. Cameron Brink's gonna average more in what post should blocks, and rebounds. Points, Caitlin will average more, but now here's the differential, and that's why I specify what I said earlier. Cameron, ha- she didn't score double figures against Cal Poly in Hawaii, but they didn't need her to. There hasn't been a game where they've needed her, and she couldn't. Caitlin couldn't in that first game against Kansas State, because God knows she tried, going two for 16. I think she shot 35-plus shots. Caitlin tried. She couldn't that game. She just didn't have it. Cameron hasn't had a game yet where they've needed her and she couldn't do it. And plus Cameron does it on the defensive end where she can hold the, like you're going to get more points from Caitlin based on right off her hand, but Cameron can honestly save you points. So if you're having a struggle bus, Cameron can save you points right now. Cameron Brink has been the most consistent on both ends of the floor in the country. In big
2: games. Um,
1: That's all I have to say about college basketball. The rest for of them, the national
2: player of the year. Do you think that the person that wins that is? Do you think it's a best player award, or or do you think it's a an award for the most impactful player to their team?
1: I think team success plays a huge thing, so I would say it's probably the best player on one of the top eight teams in the country, because no one outside the top eight is ever going to win it. So I think okay, if your team's so my- top eight.
2: So my rebuttal is, I think then that makes Caitlin Clark, even though they do have a loss, more impactful to her team, because I still think that if 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 Cameron Brink wasn't on Stanford, I still think they beat IU. If they won by thirty plus points, <laughs> they might not beat Florida State. They probably or don't Duke. beat Duke. Yep, they probably don't beat Duke. Heck, they might not even beat Belmont because Belmont didn't doesn't really have a post player that's you know can match up. So they might not even be, or they they do they don't have a post player that can match up with Brink, but they have a solid post player that would have been able to match up, you know, regardless. Um, but if if Caitlin Clark doesn't play for her team, like, of course I was going to be. Fairly Dickinson, of course they're going to beat Purdue Fort Wayne and Florida Gulf Coast, but I don't think they beat Virginia Tech. Well, I mean, I know they don't beat Virginia, Tech. right? You know they don't beat Kansas State.
0: I mean, that FGC, probably, FGCU game might get a little frisky without Caitlin Clark too, the way they shoot it.
2: Yeah, they definitely. You know, they might beat Drake, but probably not. So, like Iowa without Caitlin Clark would be like two and six right now, three and five.
1: I would say this. Caitlin Clark could be a national champion if she knew how to play defense. I mean, if we look at the national championship game, her matchup gave him seven threes. That's why Cameron's on both ends. I'll take a player that can give it to us on both ends and an elite right now. Caitlin is very good. They also there's a tendency in women's college basketball to have a voter burnout for giving the same award to the same kid over and over again. That's why if Cameron Brink has Stanford as a top two seed and I was three, four, five seed. Once again, there's other players involved. You have South Carolina being a fantastic. Who else is out there? Page is always going to be an option. As long as UConn's a the top four, five, 10 team. I mean, they're not right now, but as long as if page gets it rolling, page will always be an option. And page is probably the, the comeback story that everyone wants. So that could take away from both Cameron and Caitlin. I'm saying right now, if you look at where the teams are playing and the expectations coming in, Iowa was expected to be good coming in this year. They were number two or three. Cameron Brink and Stanford fell to sixteen. And she put them right back in the top five. I wish they'd play each other. I would love that matchup.
0: Um, I also I mean, the fact that LSU didn't have that one kid that hit seven threes in, in that game, I think kind of kind of brushes over the fact that um LSU also just pounded Iowa down down low like that entire game like they got the easier shots like all game even if you're not counting those threes um so i mean i don't know i don't think it's i don't think they lost because caitlin couldn't keep uh what was her name uh Jade carson was that her name i forget her i forget what her name is
1: Carlson?
0: yeah well regardless i don't think because she hit seven threes is like the reason that. Carson, by the way there, oh, there it is Thank we, we know the thing. fee yeah yeah, but, like, I don't think that that was the sole reason that Iowa, one, lost that game, and two, if she would have just gotten up in her face, it may not be, you know, something that makes a huge difference if it just gets on a heater. But, you know. <laughs> and,
2: and the other thing, too, is it wasn't just her. Like, I mean, she hit five – Carson hit five threes in the game, but, like, her her teammates also went – you know, her teammates also shot 60% as well. Like, they just weren't missing three-pointers.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I, 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 I think that Eric has a an agenda. I think he's trying to build up a voter fatigue case on Caitlin Clark and just try to figure out a way that she's not the player of the year again. At least that's what this feels like. If I'm being perfectly I honest, I
2: actually, I actually truly, truly, believe that Eric is secretly Grant McGinnis. No, because I like <laughs> Matt. He just hates. Oh, yeah, he just hates <laughs> Caitlin Clark.
1: I don't hate Caitlin Clark. I'm not a fan of the most recent video of her game, what she was doing there. I think that's unnecessary and ridiculous for no reason, so personally. But I'm seeing off the stats and where the teams are sitting, the expectations. Cameron Brink has exceeded every aspect of it.
0: Oh, how can I exceed
2: expectations?
1: It could be number one.
2: If you pull in stats, though, like Caitlin Farr surpasses her.
1: Does she, though? Because when she played against Kansas State in that loss, she couldn't even find her way out of a paper bag, it seemed.
0: What about the second game?
2: That's great. Okay, wait. (laughs) Eric, you can't bring up one single game where she scores 24 points and say, look at this game. What about this game? Because (laughs) then we can just say, hey, well, what about, you know, the
1: How Polly in Hawaii? Yeah. But like I said, Cameron wasn't needed and couldn't produce. Caitlin couldn't produce in that game in the first game against. It could she did in the second one, the first one she tried. She couldn't. She couldn't do enough for her team to win that game. Cameron hasn't had that yet, to where she couldn't do enough to help them win. Is what I'm saying.
0: You do realize that, like, just every now and again, it like Division One Power Five teams can just like beat other really good Division One Power Five teams, right? Like that just happens. <laughs> like it's not like it's, not like it's not like.
2: I can't wait till Stanford plays USC and Cameron has like twelve and six.
1: She could, yeah. and then what? She then, then the,
2: do it. Then
1: at the discussion.
2: Okay, well, let's move on. This is a trivial conversation. It's we're like fifteen <laughs> days into the season.
0: Is it 15? Yeah. yeah,
2: and and the majority of everyone that we're talking about has played like terrible teams.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Well, also, like just random nugget, how often are is there a non-conference team that two non-conference teams that play each other twice in the same regular season? Like, I feel like that's very rare.
1: It's usually rare.
0: Yeah, probably not
2: often, maybe once or twice a year.
1: I think the only I mean, it was conference back in the day. I think the only time I can even recall like a lot of teams playing each other was back in the old Big East. UConn and Notre Dame played each other four times one year. They, but they met twice in regular season but it's conference regular season then they met in this conference tournament then they met in the final four so four times they met each other and I'm like that'd be so sick and tired of seeing the same team four times.
0: Yeah I mean, yeah I'd probably get sick and tired of that too. But
2: is it yeah, uh too. fantasy
0: is it fantasy update time before we call it a night yeah but
2: also shout out to uh Chicago State and Hartford playing four times last year. Yeah that that was crazy. And <laughs> Chicago State actually winning all four of those
0: also, I, going
2: six and twenty-two.
0: Also, I would have loved to have seen Chicago State come out with that game against Evansville last week. That overtime thriller that, that went down in, in Evansville. That'd have been awesome. Just 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 for that program yeah, in general. I would have loved to have seen them win a game.
2: Yeah. yeah. Me too. All right. Yeah, it's also crazy that Chicago State's already played 11 games as well.
1: They are racking it up in November and December. They are <laughs> just racking up the games.
2: Yeah, it's it's quite incredible because tomorrow's, on Thursday, November 30th, is their 12th game of the year, and then they play two games in the last month of the season. From January 23rd to the last day of the season, they play two games. So that's that's fun. The beauty of an um, independent. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so let's just go into fantasy real quick. I don't think anyone really, truly cares about this. I'll just go through it really quickly. Uh, <laughs> obviously, Brady won week one, uh, and then week two, I actually came out victorious in a really odd week uh, because you know Brady's players played eight games, and then Eric and I both played nine. It didn't really. Oh, wait, wait. Like... I had eight. And,
0: I had eight and a half games.
2: Oh yeah. So yeah, Brady kind of <laughs> got screwed a little bit because. <laughs> Angel Reese played, you know, a half a game and then was out for the rest of the week. And I think she might have had like one more game in there. So if if Angel Reese doesn't get benched and then plays her next game, Brady probably wins last week. Um, But I came out with a very consistent 276. All of my players scored 30 or more points total. And then Eric was 259 probably would have won if Cameron Brink uh, didn't only score eight points and grab five rebounds against Cal Poly. Love her. And then Brady was in, in last place um, because he had the unfortunate dealing of Clark only having two games. Uh, but then this week, week three, Brady came out on top 389 points. Once again, um, Galen Clark, played 3 games. He had two players that played 3 games. Um,
0: can Eric I, can Colts, I uh, who- also add I love the touch of the uh, McKenna Hofs child and and MR prior games with with their opponents just adding in quotations who with a question mark. I think that's a beautiful touch to this uh this this Google sheet. <laughs> yeah, it
2: is because uh Colorado <laughs> State played someone SDMT, maybe South Dakota No. My yeah, own. I don't know who that is. And then, yeah, I just didn't know who the abbreviations were, and you couldn't click on them, so I was just like, I don't know who they are. I've I, believe that, of-
0: uh, I believe that. I believe that's
2: Puerto Rico. we? Okay, that's why are they? Okay, <laughs> that's weird. But anyway, uh, yeah, so Brady came out on top with three hundred eighty-nine total points. His team played a total of twelve games. Caitlin Clark played a total of three games, which obviously helps, especially when, you know, she's going to basically score 30 points plus every game and probably 50 most games in terms of points, rebounds, assists, deals, blocks, add together. Um, Eric was in second. His team also played 12 games. Um, He had a couple really good games in there with Cameron Brink, scoring a total of 46 in her first game. And then in her third game where she had 21 points, 19 rebounds against Albany, for a total of 44. But then, you know, his favorite, Cody McMahon, only scored 15 total points in, in one of her games. So, uh, and then I, once again, round up the back. I had two less games than those two. So, potentially, if I would have had two more games, I might have had a chance. But, alas, I didn't um however elizabeth kitley was the leader on the week with 50 or 4 points against kansas as uh, she went 31 18 five blocks three assists uh and then week 2 the leader was i mean very obviously katen clark she had oh. 55 points and in, in the game against drake where she almost had a quadruple double so Oh, and I didn't say the leader for week one, but yeah, you guessed it. Caitlin Clark. <laughs> so that's how we stand. Brady has won two weeks. I have won one week. Hey, Eric has won I'm no week. Bringing up the rear. Yes, but you have had some bad luck.
0: Well, he keeps picking Mara Braun. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why he... Frankly, that hasn't been the worst.
1: To... Cody McMahon has been probably <laughs> worse than Mara Braun.
2: Pick McKenna Marisa.
1: <laughs> no, thank you. But oh, let's yes. be honest, Cody McMahon's probably been the worst one that I've had of my five.
2: Oh, yes. Definitely.
1: I mean, for the love who's of heavens.
2: Who's Mar Brown even in for you for?
1: Uh, right now, oh. Ricky Jackson. And that hurts, too, oh, because yeah. is a really good rebounder.
2: Yeah. So yeah. We're, we're all of our squads last week were not at full strength. Brady had Juju Watkins in there, right? Yep, you. Yeah, okay, I thought so. And then Mara for Eric, and then I had Hannah Hidalgo last week um, for Diamond Johnson. Who who knows if she's actually going to play? Maybe year. that's
0: the, uh, maybe that maybe that was the meta all along. Just pick a, a kid who may not play all year, so you can just get someone <laughs> to fill in for him on a weekly basis. Just play the uh, yeah. hot hand. Yeah, uh, Mason was playing chess while Eric and I were playing checkers over here.
1: Correct. Look, I'm happy with mine because Rakia Jackson probably will just be off and on injured. Cody McMahon, I don't know where her where what she's doing. Like,
0: well, you dropped her because of her teeth. I think that was probably the first problem. I love
1: her teeth. That my favorite part. Like, I love. I want the. I want that white of teeth. Like, I oh, it's perfection. Drop the name of the dentist, Cody.
0: Um, I don't even know what to follow that up with. I don't think there's anything to follow that up with. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, is that uh, a good spot to wrap Cable, it up then or <laughs> Clark in two games? Caylan Clark scored more points for Brady in week three than Cody Mann has all year for you.
1: Bear. Fair. That sounds about accurate. I <laughs> should have picked Yuji Watkins. Um
2: uh, and the last well, thing the last real quick thing is that uh Diamond Johnson is still incapacitated. So I am playing Lucy Olsen from Villanova this week. FYI, for everyone who is inquiring and wants to know who my replacement is for
0: Diamond Johnson this week is. I feel like incapacitated isn't the right word to describe (laughs) Diamond Johnson right now.
2: (laughs) And, oh, God. I saw they had two games and they played St. Joseph's and Drexel. So I was like, oh, yeah, Lucy Olsen scoring like, 23 points a game. Like, I'm sure she'll do great. I should pick her, so I picked her earlier. Wait, what the heck? I do not think she played. Oh wait, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I was looking at the men's. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder. Uh, no wonder she didn't play. That would have been something if she would have played for men's team and the women's team.
0: A lot of stats. This is truly Stooges after dark at its finest.
2: <laughs> yeah, I want to see. I can't remember if she had a game tonight. Cool. No, she didn't. She has two. Richmond and Columbia. Lucy Olsen. Who, by the way, Eric. Mar bronze like best friend now. Three on three. They played together.
0: Eric's a, Eric's a, um, a novel Villanova fan now.
1: Anyone that Mara Braun says is A-OK, I'm A-OK with.
0: What if she says the whole state of Wisconsin's okay? She would never. Well what if? Oh, yeah.
1: she, would, she would say Brady is the ninth one there, and that's maybe it. And Grace and AJ.
0: Well, I definitely would not probably be number one, but that's okay. Fair. Here's
2: a um here's a funny tidbit for After Dark. Um, so I just Twitter searched Rakia Jackson just to see if there was any like update on her injury or anything like that. And I come across a tweet that had gotten replied to. So it, you know, popped up first on Twitter. uh, A tweet from March 17th, 2017. So six and a half years ago from Rakia's mom, just posting a screenshot of an article saying Detroit Edison reaches Class C state finals for the first time. And someone replied to that today, three hours ago. And said, Damn. Rakia, I hope you're okay and pray you're back soon. Because without you, this team is a below average team. With you, this is a championship team. <laughs> yes, this season will be lost if you're not back very soon. This team is an accident that's already happening without you.
0: Oh, God. I yeah. You know what's funny? Is that was probably never meant to see anybody's eyes. And now we put it on Stooges after dark.
2: <laughs> yeah shout out to Quentin e miller one
1: i got more nervous when he's like when he started talking about mamas going wild on twitter i'm like listen i'm like we've already seen enough basketball players moms throwing stuff on twitter let's not ha- go crazy again right
2: uh, oh also just, uh, did you guys watch that notre dame
0: tennessee game i was at no, a gopher did. game
1: so sorry i wasn't i couldn't yeah, i
2: did
0: not was I was little, my my hands were a little tied the past few days Hannah What yeah, was, was tonight? Oh, well tonight I was at a Carroll University game. I'm a real sicko Ooh. going to D3 basketball. So shout, shout out uh, Carroll, by the way, winning by 30 over North Central after being up three at halftime. So
1: Blue, blowout.
0: Yeah, they, they kind of ran away with it in the second half. They they kind of uh kind of dominated a second half, considering they won it by like twenty seven. Right. I, I would say it's imagine- not that.
2: Imagine calling a team a train wreck when your losses are to IU, Florida State, Notre Dame—all top 20 teams.
1: Oh, I'm like, who left those 10 of feet?
2: Duh, my bad. All right, and Derek... wrap it up, Randy. <laughs> all right, well, I'm ready for bed. It's this, like this, has, ready here.
0: this has been the first edition of Studio's After Dark. Um, Let's do this again, yeah. though. It was fun. Yeah, Stooges well, After gonna, Dark is the way to I'm go. I'm going to
1: see Brady tomorrow. So for all you listening right now, Thursday, the 30th, me and Brady will be in Delano. Two of the three studios will be together. Yeah.
2: They're not playing bar bingo, I heard, though, unfortunately. I, listen, don't even off. get me started.
0: Don't get me started. Don't get me started. <laughs> all right. I don't, I'm not happy about it. I'm upset. I feel hurt. I feel lied to. I, I You know, we're, we're done. We're done. This is it. This is the studios After Dark edition one. <laughs> um don't know when we'll do this again but i'm sure we'll get it we'll get one of these done at some point so appreciate y'all listening uh catch y'all later
1: hey hey John Tina.